Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly, the podcast where we talk about crafting a writing career and living the writer's life. And today we're going to get into the business of writing. You know, you've heard me say it before that it's not enough to be a good writer. We have to also put on our entrepreneurial hat, pay attention to the invoice and the billing, to marketing, to gaining new clients. And we today we're going to talk about what happens when that job market changes, because many writers are now coming into the freelance market because of the changes in, in newspapers and magazines and the other forms of writing that are changing. So people are out there in the market looking for freelance jobs. We're going to talk about that. I know when I entered the freelance market well, about 25 years ago now, so a lot has changed, but it was, uh, it was startling to go from a newsroom where I was a journalist to the quiet of my home office and to learn all the things I needed to know from the business end. Writing is not enough. We've also got to do the other things. So we've got the expert in on the podcast today. Jen Miller is here. Welcome, Jen. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Jen is an award-winning freelance writer and author. She's a regular contributor to the New York Times. She's written several books, including Running a Love Story, which you should check out. I'll tell you a secret. I'm not even a runner, but I gave that to my husband a few years ago because he is and ended up reading it myself. It's a great book. <laughs> check it out. Yeah, I'm still not running, Jen. I'm, I mean, I'm certainly not up to your level. She's also an ultra marathoner. So we'll get into that a little bit. But what captivated my attention uh, recently is she's got a series of ebooks out called Notes from a Hired Pen. And there's a new one that gives an insider's perspective on surviving and thriving as a freelance writer. And, and then this one talks about how to enter the freelance world when you haven't done it for a while or ever. So that's what I want to talk about today, among other things. Welcome to the show, Jen Miller. All right, let's get talking. Let's get talking. But before we get into it, we start every show with the dailies. And my schedule today, I get to talk to Jen. I'm also revising chapter four. Now, listeners, if you've tuned in, you've heard me say that about four weeks in a row now. I'm still working on chapter four of this novel. I've really ended up taking pieces of other chapters and pulling them in and discarding parts of it. So the revision for me is really an aspect of writing fiction. It's, it's probably the biggest aspect. And I love doing that part. So that works out. I'm also sending out a letter of introduction. And I'm job hunting a little bit. You heard me mention a couple of weeks ago that one of my longtime clients uh, has retired and closed up shops. So I am uh, stretching my freelance muscles and marketing muscles again to get back out there. Jen, what does a regular schedule look like for you? 
Well, um, it sort of depends on the seasons. I know that that might sound weird, but as a runner, you know, I don't want to be running in the middle of the day in the summer. Um, but now that it's warmer out here where I live in New Jersey, I um, wake up uh, pretty early, right around sunrise, um, because uh, I got to walk that dog. I have a dog <laughs> named Annie Oakley Tater Tot, who is a cattle dog mix. And I walk water and feed her and then I go running. Um, and then I eat my breakfast, make my coffee, and I write for the morning. I try not to do any interviews in the morning because I don't want to talk to anybody, but also that's my best time for work. Um, it has been forever. Um, walk the dog again, make lunch, and then typically I'll do phone calls in the afternoon. That also works with West Coast folks um, because they're awake, <laughs> right. uh, most of them. And um, if I have to make calls to other parts of the world, then I'll switch things up, obviously. Um, a lot of admin paperwork, Fill, uh, replying to emails. If there's any marketing, I tend to do it in the afternoon, walk the dog again, <laughs> make dinner and uh, have my regular life. All right, Jen, um, you have a lot of projects going and always new material coming out. We've talked about on the show before about how the freelancers with sustainable careers, long time careers, do it that way. They they are very diverse in the kind of things they write and when they do it, playing to the markets and their own interests and so forth. Give us a little bit about your backstory, your origin story. How did you come to this business? And um, what are some of the secrets to success over all these years? Well, um, I it was funny in writing this last ebook, which is freelance writing for laid off journalists and those who want to quit. Um, I sort of had my brain jogged and then I, I actually became a freelance writer in college, which I had completely forgotten about, um, mm. that I was the editor of my college newspaper. I went to the University of Tampa, which at the time did not have a journalism program, um, but I got money taken off my tuition to be the newspaper editor. And I was like, ah, oh, this is fun. It pays me some money and then I'll go do something else. But at the time there was a, a wire service for college newspapers. So if you wrote for the wire service, they would distribute your work to college newspapers all over the country. And I wrote for them. Um, then forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I went to uh, graduate school at Rutgers University Camden because I thought I would go into academia. And while I was there, our class was asked to write op-eds for the, the New Jersey section of the Philadelphia Inquirer, which no longer exists, unfortunately. The Inquirer does, just not that, that mm -hmm. op-ed section. And um, they bought my piece and they said, you should write more, we'll pay you. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... I was in a master's program for English literature um, with a writing focus. It's different now, whatever the setup they have is. But our teacher brought in a freelancer. Her name's Lise Funderburg. As far as I know, she's still a, a very prolific freelance writer who came in to talk to us about what she did for a living. And I had no idea that the, the job existed. Again, I was an English major in college and never took a journalism class. And oh, okay, this is an option too. I uh, bought a copy of Writer's Market, that big tome, mm -hmm. and thought, you know, maybe I could write for some of these while I was in graduate school. Um, and then I got a job working in the public relations department of a medical school, and I continued to freelance. And one of my clients, which was a hyper-local magazine, their editor quit, and I took her job. Hmm. And I did that for a year, about a year, um, kept freelancing, kept getting bigger clients, kept getting bigger clips, kept making more money. And then my paycheck bounced. And I thought, I knew the magazine had money problems. Um, I thought, well, I got to go. 
And I quit freelance. I quit that job to freelance full time. And I said I would do that until I failed. And it's been more than 18 years now. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's working out. Yeah, I guess so. I'm unemployable <laughs> elsewhere. And I've had people try to hire me. I'm like, eh, I like, you know, I know work from home is like a thing for more people now, but uh, I, I like being my own boss. I, I um, absolutely agree. It's the lifestyle that is is probably the biggest reward for me in my mind, the freedom to decide. It doesn't yeah. mean you don't work hard, but I like to decide to determine when I'm going to put those hours in. Yeah. And I don't work full time. Um, I've said this before that I don't work 40 hours a week. I just, I could make more money if I did. I just don't want to. Um, I make plenty. So, um, and uh, I think the reason that I've survived so long, um, you know, people say, oh, you can't be a freelance writer unless you're married to a rich person. I'm single. Um, There's only one, one household income here, unless my dog gets like a contract for (laughs) advertising Um, is I treat it like a business. It's a business. I, Sometimes when I, when I waver, if I should, you know, ask someone where my money is or negotiate for more money. Um, so how will my plumber handle it? Will my plumber do more work for me if I hadn't paid their bill? No, of course not. Um, would a plumber let a, let someone pay me 60, 70, 80 days late? No, of course not. Um, so that's, that's how I approach it. I, I love that attitude. I think it's essential to have that if you're going to last. In fact, the people I know that have been around uh, and done the work for as long as, as you and others have, it's because they, they, you know, they, of course they like the art, the writing part, but they treat it like a business. <laughs> and I don't imagine many plumbers are embarrassed about asking for more money either or feel no, like they're not, not worthy. Right. And right. yet I've, I've heard writers say that before. Well, I just feel that no, it's, it's a job. I have to pay for oranges and cereal and the other things I need to get through in my life. It's okay to ask for it. And you write about that in your recent uh, ebook, freelance writing for laid off journalists and those who want to quit. I thought that was really powerful. What do you think, aside from that ability and willingness to treat it like a business, what are the qualities that make for a great freelance writer? Um, a couple things. I, I can I curse? No. Yes, curse. Um, I think you <laughs> have to to understand what is hard work and what is bullshit, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to break through the bullshit. So. Um, I, I know a lot of freelancers who toil away writing, you know, features for $150 and they think it'll just lead to a big break. But if you've been doing that for three years, how does that, how does that help? Um, you, you have to be able to run a business. Like I said, we've talked about that and you have to be okay being an advocate for yourself because no one cares about your money as much as you do. Your editor might, Mm -hmm. they don't care as much as you do because at the end of the day, they're getting a direct deposit, however many weeks. Um, I think you have to have a flexibility. You have to be able to switch to another topic if you need to. So during the 2008, 2009 recession, I did a lot of writing and travel, which of course, as soon as you know the economy tanks, um, discretionary budgets get cut, travel goes out the door. Um, but, and I lost a lot of clients that was, and I had just bought a house. It was a really, mm-hmm. really bad time. Um, so I, I looked around, I said, well, what can I write about that people want stuff, what knowledge. And, um, well, I'm going through some money trouble. So why don't I write about personal finance? And I did. And I sort of, you know, pivoted from travel to cheap travel to cheap life to, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. I'm going to write about the things that are going on in the economy and how that affects a person. And, you know, I started writing for bank rate, which is a very different publication now that's owned by red ventures, which that's a whole other topic. But at the time it was paying really well. And that parlayed into, um, writing more into technology. And, and I had an editor reach out to me on Twitter who followed me 
for the running. I wrote about running for a long time. And he said, you should write for me. And I said, no. And he said, you should really write for me. I said, I don't know anything about what it is that you're publishing. And he said, trust me, you should write for me. And I did. And now that's like a quarter of my income, that, wow. that niche. Yeah. You have to be able to take a risk to be a writer, but also if an editor approaches you and it's insistent, I want you to try to write about this topic. You have to try. You have to try. Um, yep. You have to be okay trying and you have to be okay. You know, that first story I wrote was okay, but this person believed in me and guided me through it. And now I mentor him as a freelancer. So it, it all works. Oh, the other thing I will say is you have to, you know, you can't see other freelancers as competition. You just, you can't. Um, I just gave, uh, there was a client that I wasn't gelling with, but I thought somebody else might. And so now she's going to work for them. But I don't see that as competition. I see that as building a community of freelancers that we can help each other. You know, John, that is such an important point, And I don't think it's been brought up on the show yet. Yes, there are people that can do things better than me in some cases. Sometimes I'm too busy and can't do the work. I'm going to pass it on. They have passed things along to me. There's no competition if you're doing your job. We can work together and build a community that is actually going to make everybody more successful, including me in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, I have a, a younger writer who I've been, you know, helping out. And she didn't know what to charge for something. And I told her what to charge. And she said, can I really get that much money? I'm like, ask, just ask. And she yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's you exciting. Know? But people used to do that for me. Yeah. Um, and I still have people who help. You know, I have a, a master group, you know, brain group, whatever, brain trust. Um, we need each other. We really do. Yeah, me too. I, I have a group like that too. And and that's one reason I do this podcast. So I get to connect with people like you because I always learn something from others in the industry. I, I think in that way, it's also like, you know, other industries, they have their, their employee trainings or their conventions or whatever it is. We need to develop that kind of community of continuing ed for ourselves so we can continue to launch and be agile and grow as a business. Right. And I also think you, you asked me if there are more freelance writers today than ever. And, and the, I don't know. Nobody yeah. knows, yeah. Um, you know, Upwork tries and freelancers groups try, but we're so dispersed and we're so different um, that I don't, I don't think you can quantify it. And that's sort of the beauty of freelancing is you can make it whatever you want to be. You know, I know somebody yeah. who either lost her job at a newspaper or took a buyout and now writes scripts for podcasts. I never mm -hmm. even thought that that was a possibility. Here's a brand new freelancer who is like, gung-ho making it work for her because that's what she was open to that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot. Well, and I think part of being agile is just what you said, jumping in and trying different things. So at least you know what you're, what you like and what you don't like, right? There are yeah. things I did years ago that I don't want to do anymore. That's okay. It's still a skill in my arsenal that helped me become better and get me where I am now. And I, I used to write for law firms, hmm. um, their website copy, corporate bios. And then when I was done with that, I referred uh, somebody who quit their job to freelance and was really interested in law. And it's her stable client now. Yeah. So that's great. Good for yeah. her. Wasn't working out for me or I just wasn't interested in the work anymore. So now it's somebody else's gig. Yeah. Tell me what's going on in your opinion in the industry right now, how it's changing and, and what led you to write this uh, freelance writing for laid off journalists? You know, I, I know there's a lot of talk about AI replacing writers right now. And I, I've written a couple of stories about ChatGPT sort of in different industries because I write for Industry Dive, which is a great business um, publisher, business publications for other businesses, that sort of thing. Um, and, and 
you know, people are freaking out. And let's see, I've lived through the right for free for exposure era. <laughs> yeah. I've lived through the content <laughs> mills where we'll pay you $5 for a feature. I've lived through the SEO. I actually got a conversation with a bunch of writers about SEO. Like, I think SEO is important, but I don't, I'm not asked to do it anymore. Yeah, you know, that's, me either. If, if, yeah. So is chat, is AI going to change some things? Probably. But usually people who tout a technology as replacing writers, you know, they end up going after writers like low wage work. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just they're already not paying anything or very little for that kind of work. It's not, I don't worry about it replacing what I do, what you do, what most writers do. I mean, BuzzFeed tried it. Well, the travel story about Kate May which was I used to write about when I wrote about the Jersey shore and they call it the like a mayonnaise capital of the world. What? <laughs> right. That's I think cool. that I'm much more concerned with the trend that we've been seeing well over a decade now that publishers want to own all the rights to all your work for all eternity because they see it as IP intellectual right. property. They want to own your intellectual property so that, you know, the movie Argo was based on a magazine article. Okay. That won an Academy award, right? Won a bunch of awards. They don't want to pay the writer for that. They want to own it so that they make all the money and you don't. And that's the hardest fight that I've had recently um, is just owning my work. And this comes back to ChatGPT. I saw a travel editor, somebody who pays $200 for long features because like, yeah, I, he said, we have high value content. I said, well, you're not paying people high value. Mm -hmm. They're, since they own the rights to the work, they're offering your work up to these AI, uh, what is it, large language models. And I said, you can't do that if the owner owns the copyright, you say, well, I don't let the writers own the copyright or something like that. Um, and so then I blocked him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I, it's, again, you got to be careful about copyright. You have to be careful that you're not signing indemnity clause, so that if an editor puts a mistake into your story, you get sued. Um, those are the two things that I still bang on the drum about as being really important. Yeah, I agree. You 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 have a right to your work. You're, you're the creator and you're creating. I want to talk a little more about that. And I want to get into ebooks and a couple other things with Jen Miller right here on Simply Write with Polly on the Creators Network of Electrocast. We'll be right back. And we are back talking to author, freelance writer Jen Miller about freelancing, owning your work and creating more, cultivating clients and the ups and downs of the freelance life, which, you know, there are ups and downs for sure, Jen. And one of the things that is up and down routinely for me, even after all these years, is the income. You talk about that in freelance writing for laid off journalists and those who want to quit, which you can get on your website. Is that where people can get that? Yes, go to jenamiller.com, J-E-N-A, Miller, like the beer.com, and click on notes from a hired pen. And that will have links to all three of my eBooks. And it will also have a place where you can sign up to, for my free newsletter that I am determined to keep free. Yeah, so, good. Yeah. It, and I love it. I, um, you know, as you know, I've been a freelancer for a long time and I still learn stuff in uh, in this newest eBook. I, I love it. I think it's worth picking up if you're interested in becoming a, a writer, 
If you're interested in creating a sustainable career as a freelance writer, go to Jen's site and pick up this book. But in the meantime, Jen, how have you learned to weather the income ups and downs? You're a sole proprietor. You're single. You're running your household. How do you manage all of this? And and right now I'm kind of in a downturn. I'll tell you what, 20 years ago, I would have been freaking out. It's a much different process for me right now than in the past. So it's I find it interesting how other people do this too. Yeah, I used to worry and like a couple times a year I'd want to quit freelancing, but just sure. over time it's just it, it just comes back. Um especially cuz I'm almost always constantly marketing. Um I had a I was sitting around uh, sometime earlier this year and I thought, "Oh, I have no work." And then I got $15,000 of work in like 3 days. So part of Easter that is famine. Yeah, is constantly marketing. The the way to handle the ups and downs is to make sure that you know, every time, and and I, the the, I mentioned it in the ebook. It's a money book for freelancers, which is is an older book at this point. But the tenants I still use is that every single check that I get gets immediately divided into a couple different buckets. One is my emergency savings. One is my taxes because you know I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. I pay taxes quarterly, estimated payments for time a year. I have a fun account, and then I have another savings account that when it reaches a certain point, it gets dumped into my retirement fund. There are no exceptions to this unless there's, you know, last year, my dog had $7,000 of vet bills. That was a, that was the whole thing. <laughs> um, every single check gets divided that way. When I, you know, I write an op-ed for the local paper that doesn't pay very much, still gets divided that way. Hmm. That way your money is already dispersed. It's not sitting in a bank account, my checking account and me looking, oh, I could buy a Louis Vuitton bag. No, because you know, once, if you have that rush where you get a lot of money at once, you feel like, you know, big deal, like big spender. But then comes the time when, you know, one month I got a thousand dollars in checks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, by, by putting the money away into where it needs to go with big checks, little checks, lots of checks at once, checks that are dispersed, you, you create a buffer against the leaner times. So if you capture, you know, you, you save from the big times, it helps even things out in the leader times. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. I think that's really smart. And I think, uh, and maybe that's why I'm not as worried anymore today because I do have that big emergency or savings account that you talked about because I know after all these years that there are going to be fluctuations. And I also trust in my ability more to bring it back again, you know, to get those new jobs. But uh, when you're entering the freelance business, I think, I think this is why I wanted to have you on. I think people really need to think about this. So they have some, mental security, emotional, physical security, so that they can go after new business instead of freaking out when they're in these phases. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I've talked about this uh, publicly is I, I signed with a literary agent recently and I have to put a book proposal together in three weeks. Um, <laughs> I have to take a break from I actually just, I, I've declined some work. I've gotten some deadlines pushed around, but I have the money saved to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, now I'm not like, I keep telling everybody I'm off for a week to work on it, but like, you know, I'll I'll send emails and stuff like that. Um, But I can take that, you know, I I hate to, I've had some bad luck with literary agents in the past and books that didn't sell. And I can't believe I'm doing it again, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying again, the traditionally published book, not the eBooks. I do this all on my own. Um, But I have the savings to to be able to take a risk, I guess is the what I'm saying. I think that's the the great perk of freelancing. And if you do it right, is you can then explore some other types of writing and do the passion projects if you want down the road or see how things change as you go. So I love that part of it. Um, 
Tell me a little bit about eBooks and why you do them. Is, is that a source of passive revenue for you? How do you think about that? And they're fantastic. I mean, you invest a lot of time in those. And money, because I hire a designer and I hire a copy editor who yeah. are wonderful, Jen and Bell and Claire Zolke. So I started writing notes from a hired pen, the newsletter, because in part because I got really frustrated with the narrative that, you know, freelance writers are poor. Mm -hmm. They should just be happy for any work we send their way. And I'm like, this is not how I operate my business at all. And in 2019, I made $135,000 freelancing. And that was the best I've ever had. Um, I, I was 121 last year, which is pretty good. But I also took mm -hmm. more time off last year. Like, it's one of those things that it's, you know, I know we talk about six-figure freelancing, and I do because I know it's a marketing hook. But it's not the final number. I had a, a much nicer year last year not working so much. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had tried to write a follow-up to my running memoir and my literary agent at the time wasn't all that interested in working on it. I ended up firing her, getting rid of her um, because a literary agent should work for you, not the other way around, mm -hmm. um, which is not a thing that, that's another thing I had to train my brain to think like, this person <laughs> works for me. If she's not working for me, then I need another agent. And I was really upset and sad and angry. And it was December of 2019 and I had just run my numbers for the year and I knew it was going to be the big banner year. And I said, wow, whatever. I'm going to write an ebook of how I did this because I would do like a little newsletter post about, you know, here's where this work came from and here's where this percentage came from and here's how I get this client. I said, I bet other people want to know. So that week between Christmas and New Year, which is a dead week for a, a lot of freelancers, mm -hmm. myself included. And I usually go away in, in January because I do a lot of work for alumni magazines. And once my the spring issue, you know, there's a big rush of deadlines in like the beginning of January, and then I usually go to Florida, or this year I went to Georgia. So I wrote this ebook, <laughs> and I said, I'm going to sell it. And my friend Claire Zolke had done it. Um, she did a pitches that worked, and I got her to copy it. I used her same designer. I used the same platform, and I put it out into the world, <laughs> and it <laughs> sold like gangbusters. And I've now made more from that ebook than I did my first book. Wow. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and when I was talking to literary agents again on and off until this last rush, when I got a bunch of different offers, um, they were shocked that I had sold so many eBooks. Um, but you know, there's a built-in audience through my newsletter and just being known as the head of the freelance mafia, which is a hashtag I joke with on, on, um, Twitter. Mm -hmm. It just keeps getting passed around. And I've written two eBooks since then, the one, um, how to find new clients, which is, I, I talk to a lot of sort of, I hear from freelancers when they're stuck, like they have some success, but they're stuck. So I wrote a book for them. And then I wrote this book specifically for laid off journalists because there are layoffs mm -hmm. constantly. And I, I hear from people all the time. Um, and I wrote this one because I wanted to, to direct that audience. And um, it is passive income. Um, it's also fun. I like writing them. I like yeah. feeling like I know something. <laughs> I I, I'm actually putting my first one together. So I was interested in that. And I'm really, yes, I really love writing it. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's work I do. It's writing I do for me. Yeah. Um, and I did try to coach other writers and I just didn't like it. If I mentor someone, it's because I see, you know, a, a reason to mentor them mm -hmm. or to, to give them advice or help, or I like what they're doing and I want to offer some advice, mm -hmm. but it coaching is not for me. So now I can just say, well, you could buy the book. Mm -hmm. Um, the laid off journalist ebook is only $7 right now. It will go up. The other ones are $10 and eventually it will go up to $10. Um, but you know, I feel like that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> it is a good them. deal. 
It is a good deal and go to it. It's it's just really accessible. I I was really yes, like I said, I I'm still learning things and I learned I learned from that book. You know, you do talk a lot about marketing and it's ongoing for me and most most freelancers who sustain a career. What is how has that changed? Can we approach people on LinkedIn now? Can we use social media? Are we still sending out resumes? How how do you market these days? Well, okay. I don't this surprises people when I say this. I really don't pitch anymore um, yeah. because pitching I find is is can be such a big waste of time um, or the requirements to get an assignment on a pitch can be outlandish. I had, you know, was asked to rewrite a pitch three times and then they declined. Like, what yeah. are we doing? Right. Done that um, too. So I, I, Jennifer Goforth Gregory is, is another person people should, you know, look at. And she talks a lot about letters of introduction and they're just emails saying, hey, here I am. Here are some clips. We should work together. And I send a lot of them. That's how I got into Industry Dive, which is a business publisher. They are very specific topics. But, you know, if you're a good journalist, you can write this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, have the, they know what they want to assign. They just need to match the writers to it. That's the case with a lot of alumni magazines, too. Um, so that's, that's been my main driver of marketing. Also, asking editors who I like working with, who else could use someone like me? Um, cause then you don't have to like prove yourself all over again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so with LinkedIn and social media, I really think it depends. I, as a writer do not like being pitched on LinkedIn or social media from PR people. I hate it. It just, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> you know, I've had PR people who will slide into my, my Twitter direct messages are closed to people I don't follow. I had like somebody really desperately trying to reach me for something I would never cover that I actually found borderline offensive hmm. messaging me on Instagram. I don't like it. So since that's my preference as a writer is I don't want to be pitched on LinkedIn and I don't want to be pitched on social media because you could just email me through my website. I don't do that to other editors. I absolutely know that is not the case for everyone. I have had editors reach out to me on LinkedIn and want to like do the whole agreement through LinkedIn chat. I just asked them to email me directly. I think LinkedIn is very useful for connecting with editors in sort of a passive way. Like, oh, I, I emailed with an editor and we, we couldn't come up with an assignment right now, but we're going to keep each other in mind. And then I friend them on LinkedIn, connect with them on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And then when I post my clips, because, you know, I have stories come out, I post them there. They might see it and go, oh, right, Jen. Right. That happened. I think I put in this last ebook with AAA. An editor who I forgot that I had worked with, to be honest, I told her that later. She's like, what, what did we work on? <laughs> Saw me post something and said, I bet Jen could write these stories for AAA. And I did. Um, so that's the way I approach it. Again, that is me personally. It's a lot of editors love to be DM'd on Twitter. They'll usually put it in their bio, but that's me personally. Yeah, it's really interesting to me um, when I entered and, and for the first half of my career, everything was about the query or the pitch. And like you, I mean, a lot of those, as I went going, then then most were accepted, but boy, I wasted time or it would be added. The, they wanted to see a different query on the topic or whatever, and then I, I wouldn't get the assignment anyhow. Now I, I don't do that anymore either. I try to make the connections with people who might need what I can do, you know, and, I mean, and it evolves. You know, the last big story I had ran in the New York Times um, about why we don't have enough public toilets in cities. Hmm. And one of my former editors like, how in the world did you pitch that story? I said, I didn't. They asked me. Yeah. And they couldn't believe it. And I said, <laughs> well, 
you know, an editor has an idea. He's got to find it to somebody. Might as well be me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I remember the last women's magazine story I got. I did not even pitch it. It was the story had been killed by another magazine for stupid reasons. Not my fault. They went under. Boo-hoo. Um, and I posted on Twitter. I said, I got this fully done story if anybody wants it. And the editor reached out. She's like, I'll buy it. And she bought it. She didn't make any edits. They ran it as is. Oh, um, yeah. But I know, I know that younger or I should say newer freelancers might have to pitch more. Sure. I'm at a different stage. You're at a different stage. It's just I try to get them to at least incorporate sending these kinds of emails into their, even if it's like one of the first pieces of advice to give people when they lost their job is let everybody know. Let every single person know it's on your social media. Be nice about it. Like, don't complain about your, you know, you can't complain about your former workers, but positive. Mm-hmm. I'm freelancing now. Who do you know who needs me sort of thing? Reach out to your network. You're going to get, you're going to make inroads faster that way than pitching somebody you don't know. Mm-hmm. And even if you're pitching, like if you are emerging and, and beginning your career and you're pitching specific ideas, you can pitch them to somebody, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, of course, right? of course. If you have a relationship, if you've, if you've been kind and accessible and out there and you're looking for these uh, opportunities, then it's, easier to send a little pitch or short pitch to somebody that you've worked with or somebody you like or somebody you know um that it is to to hit it blindly so i think well and you don't have to prove yourself like you know i i remember being connected with someone at a another magazine that no longer exists i was recommended by a, a high level editor his colleague and i just put together some clips and he's like i know who you are but do you actually know how to report anything hmm. and i was like we're done here um, I don't waste time with people like that anymore. I'm too old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with that. And then the magazine folded. So there you go. Jen Miller, this brings us to one of my favorite parts of the show. And this is the segment, What's in the Desk? Is there any special tool or strategy or something you have sitting on your desk that you like to have around you as you write? Oh, this is going to sound weird. Um, I write at my kitchen counter in the morning. <laughs> I, I used to do this in college in graduate school and then the whole standing desk thing happened so in the morning my kitchen mm. gets beautiful light I bought this house in part because of the light I have a wonderful stack of beautiful cookbooks that form my desk <laughs> um, and I use them they're cookbooks that I use so they're like they're beat up and they got stains on them um, but they're just like a stack of like really heavy cookbooks and I just like looking at them um, and I know that sounds like a like a tool like a weird tool but it does make my day better. I love that. Yeah, to stand in my kitchen, in this house that I bought, in my yellow kitchen, because I always wanted a yellow kitchen. And it's my second house. I never got around to painting that kitchen. One of the first things I did was paint the kitchen yellow in my yellow kitchen with my desk. And I do have a cordless keyboard, which has its own stack of cookbooks that it sits on. I cook a lot and I work and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. And you, you, so your, your monitor, your laptop is on the pile of cookbooks? And then my keyboard is on another pile of cookbooks. I have a lot of cookbooks. <laughs> Love so that. that. It's, so that it's the keyboard's at the right height. So I'm not hunching or slouching um, so that I can stand upright and I'm not, you know, stressing my shoulders. Um, they're at different heights. Well, I guess instead of what's in the desk, it's what's the desk for you then? 
Jen Miller, tell us where we can find all the notes from a hired pen, including freelance writing for laid off journalists and those who want to quit and anything else you're up to. Where can we track you down and, and join your newsletter and all of that stuff? Best place to go, one-stop shopping is jenamiller.com, J-E-N-A, millerlikethebeer.com. You'll see a little thing you can sign up for my newsletter, which is where sort of everything coalesces. So it's an irregular newsletter, but it's free, so don't complain. Um, I have, I'll write little bits about freelancing. I'll include some of my clips. I also link to, I write a book blog called Book a Week with Jen. That's a fun thing that I do for like no money, but it's for me. I put all the links there and it it will have links to my Twitter and and all that other stuff in the signature. Um, And the archives are free. It's all jenamiller.com. Lots of good stuff there. And I want you to go pick up this book. If you're interested in entering the freelance market at all, go to the site, pick up the book and check out the other work Jen is doing. And you can find me and join our Simply Write community at simplywrite.substack.com. You can find me in my most recent book, You Recharged, on polycampbell.com. And I'm out and around. So join our community. Let's keep talking about these ideas. You've heard from one of the, the best in the biz right now. Check out Jen's work. Check out my work. And if you want to learn more about freelancing and creating a sustainable writing career, fiction or nonfiction, you can join the Simply Write community, simplywrite.substack.com. Remember, writers, as you go through the week, this quote from Stephen King, he says, amateurs sit and wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. This week, Simply Write. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.